Father God, we thank you that you alone have the words of eternal life. Lord, it's your Holy Spirit that brings illumination and revelation and understanding to our hearts and lives. And so today we pray, we, we covet, Lord, the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit to bring understanding to each and every one of us. That you would open our eyes, that we would behold new things and wondrous things out of thy law. That we would understand better the ways of our God. And so, Father, we just pray that you would minister to us, that you would uh, bless us and uh, help us, Lord, this morning. Uh, and that we would be conscious that we've come to study the scriptures and to, to understand the, the things that you want, uh, want us to receive and operate in. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless each and every one of us. Uh, and, Lord, that you would minister to us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Anyone said? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know, a man phoned up a company and he was really steamed about something. And, the, you know, you could tell that he was really angry. And he said to the receptionist, he said, he said I want to speak to somebody with a little authority around here. <laughs> so this, the receptionist said, well, you may as well speak to me because I've got as little authority as anyone around here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been looking at the, the authority of the believer and uh, seeing the things that God has in store for us and... Uh, um, I, I want to just do a very brief recap. We were looking at Deuteronomy 28 and seeing the, the incredible blessings that God bestows upon the church and um, how that God wants to really anoint us and, and bless the obedient. That God is a heart after his people. Amen? Amen. And he really loves to bless the righteous. When we're obedient, he just goes overboard to bless us. And uh, that, that's what we were looking at. Uh, last Sunday, we, we, we saw the amazing blessings. We saw that that word blessed, um, when, when, uh, according to the theological dictionary, actually means empowered to prosper. Um, so uh, we, we looked at that. And, and so when we, wherever you see the word blessed, that's the, the dictionary definition. That's what uh, God's understanding of the word blessed is. And then we saw in Hebrews 8.6 that despite this amazingly wonderful and significant covenant that God cut in the Old Testament with these multitude of blessings, God says, I've made a better covenant with better promises in Hebrews 8.6. Wow! Because it's stunning. It's truly stunning how God wants to bless his people. And so uh, he says, but I've made a better covenant with you. And we see in John 10.10 10, how God... Uh, uh, Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. That's the Zoe life of God. It's life as God has it. God wants us to enjoy this rich, rich inheritance in Him. And uh, we saw that many people are not experiencing God's abundant blessing. That they've been robbed. That they've been impoverished. Somehow they, uh, uh, they're not living up to all that God has uh, bestowed upon them. And we saw that reason for that was that uh, Jesus told us that we have an enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And my contention is that I believe that the, the, the enemy has been incredibly dis, uh, successful at stealing the inheritance of believers. Yeah. You know, the, 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 ch the church is, is weak and impoverished because we've, we've been robbed of everything that God uh, wants to do and, and bless us with. And so we, we looked at the, the whole thing that, uh, uh, that we're engaged in a spiritual battle, if you remember. Uh, a spiritual warfare against the prince of thieves. Uh, Satan himself, he comes to steal what belongs to us. And uh, that he's been incredibly successful at that. We also saw that the word uh, church in the Greek is ecclesia. 
And, and we saw how that was a compound of, of two different Greek words, ek, uh, meaning out, and klesia, which is a derivative of the word kaleo, which means to call. Uh, or to call along, and so when you put it together, the word church means to to call uh, to call out of or to uh, to call alongside. Uh, uh. And so it's important that we understand it. And the reason that the Holy Spirit actually used in the original uh, language the the word church ecclesia was was very significant because we saw last week how that. Uh, this term, ecclesia, uh, came out of the, the province of Attica in Greece. And the, this, was, uh, this is a very uh, important province because it was out of, out of Attica that the, the birth of democracy sprang. And for the first time in, in human history, men were elected uh, in Attica to govern, to rule. They, they were called to uh, wield power, make decisions, and exercise authority. And these people who were called to do this were known as the Ecclesia. And so when, when the Holy Spirit said, hey, the church is the uh, Ecclesia, he was putting the two words together and he was showing us the, 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 the purpose and the function of the church was to be called out of the world and to exercise authority, to, to wield power, to rule and to reign and to make decisions. Uh, that The church was there called to govern. So... We are called, uh, uh, according to the scriptures, to wield this power against principalities, powers, and authorities. Can you say amen? amen. So we have this incredible gift that God says, man, you're a church. And to be called to the klesia in Greece was an incredible honor and privilege because you represented the, the, the nation. You made decisions for the nation. It's, it's really the basis of our political system today. And it came out of Attica. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm, I'm calling the church out of the world and I'm giving them power. I'm, I'm making them the klesia. They're going to rule and reign and exercise authority. They're going to make decisions. They're going to move in power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think that's wonderful. Okay. Not only are we to exercise power and authority here and now, but in the world to come, the saints will be exercising authority. And so we have this really grand privilege, as it was such a privilege for the, 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 the original Greeks to be called to the Klesia, so it is a wonderful privilege that God has bestowed upon you and I, calling us out the world and placing us into the body, the church, the Ecclesia. He has invested in you and I the power and the authority and the ability to rule and reign over, uh, over the power of the enemy. And we looked at, uh, remember uh, eight, Matthew 18, 18? We saw that, that uh, in Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said, Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Jesus has invested in the klesia, in, into the church, yes. this, this authority, this power to, to rule and reign. And so he said, whatever you bind, whatever you lose, uh, in other words, it's up to us. We also saw um, that there was a, a, a very interesting uh, concept um, of, of authority, that our authority extends as far as the word of God. Okay, And you see that the incredible things that the Word of God encompasses and the things that we've been given through the Scriptures. Our authority then is to enforce that which has been given to us and not let the enemy, the Prince of Thieves, rob from us. Can you say Amen? amen. amen. Hallelujah. 
And we saw, we saw that, um, that the kingdom of God actually operates by laws. And we looked at a number of different laws. The law of the faith, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of uh, you know, the sin and death. And the, the whole kingdom is governed by laws. And we have this powerful uh, ability to, to dictate terms um, and, and see them come to pass because that's what Christ has invested in the church. And we saw that as a policeman, uh, he, he has uh, authority to withhold or uphold the law. He has no authority to make laws. You know, he can't just do whatever he wants to do with his power, but he can enforce the laws of the land. And in, in exactly the same way, you and I as believers can't use this power that Christ has delegated to the ecclesia, to the church, uh, to, for our own selfish means. We're here to establish the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So our authority extends only as far as, the, as what's been given. We saw how um, a policeman uh, visiting another country on holiday, if he sees a crime taking place, there's absolutely nothing that that policeman can do. He cannot arrest you. He cannot do anything because he's not even a citizen of that land. So he can't even make a citizen's arrest. He is totally powerless because he's out of his jurisdiction. He has no power because he's not invested with the power of that land. In the same way, you and I only have power over what God has promised to us. But that is so incredible, so wonderful that as we go through this, we'll see how God really richly wants to bless each and every one of us. So, we're bound by the laws and the kingdom of God um, in the same way that a policeman is bound to uphold the laws of the land. I want to say something this morning that I wish I'd said last week, but never mind. Uh, I, I want to say it this morning that it's important to note, and we, we looked at this, this aspect uh, when we were looking at the book of Revelation and, and we saw how the, there were different interpretations. But it's important to understand that there are different aspects of, of, of the church. Uh, there are different, uh, uh, many different doctrines that sincere Christians uh, disagree upon. And uh, that's okay, you know. Uh, as long as they're not the fundamentals of the faith. You know, as long as it's not, we're not talking about we're disagreeing on the virgin birth or, or the sinless life of Christ or, you know, his death and resurrection. The fundamentals that affect our salvation, uh, as long as we are solid on those, we can differ on a whole multitude of, of other issues, what, what I call side issues, and still have fellowship. You know, the Bible says that we will come to the unity of the faith. It doesn't say we'll come to the unity of doctrine, no. okay? Because God knows, man, if, if there are two people, you've got three opinions, you know? And so he doesn't say you're going to have to come to the unity of doctrine. He says, no, come to the unity of faith in Christ, okay? And so we can have these many different issues, like is it pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation, you know? You can have your personal convictions as mine is pre-trib, uh, you know, but, but we can still fellowship if somebody says, oh, I'm post-trib. If you want to go through that, you're welcome to it, you know. But, uh, you know, it, it, there are different issues. Baptism, is it by sprinkling or is it by immersion? I happen to believe it's by immersion, but I can fellowship with you if you sing, say it's by uh, sprinkling, you know. So all these different things, speaking in tongues, these are not salvation issues. And you can, you can go on, this is far from being a comprehensive list of the things that are inconsequential in, 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 in regards to our salvation. 
Uh, they're not salvation issues. And so we can differ over those and still have fellowship. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's really important to, to understand that. So today I, I, I want to look at an aspect of the, well, two aspects of the church. And one of our uh, lecturers um, in seminary was, was a guy by the name of Dutch Sheets. And I know Paddy and, and uh, David really enjoyed Dutch Sheets and they, they follow him online. And he, he's a wonderful teacher. Um, incredibly gifted in, in, in the ancient languages and, and, and really has a, a, a prophetic mantle upon his life. And anyway, I remember him teaching us uh, that the church has uh, two realms of authority in which we uh, operate in. And so we're going to look at those two realms this morning and uh, uh, we're going to explore those. Praise God. The first realm is the oikos. And the oikos is simply translated the house of God. This is the, the, the aspect of the church that we're most familiar with. Uh, the house of God uh, is the one realm that we operate in. And the second realm is the ecclesia, the, the, the church. That is another aspect of our, our rulership. See, oikos, uh, the house of God, deals with uh, the body, the family, the bride, the, the, the rock. It's re- the flock, I should say. It's the relational uh, relational aspects of the church. And we're very good at, at understanding the oikos, the relational aspects of the body of Christ. You know, we, we understand that it's loving, caring, and nurturing, and it deals with fathers and, and mentors and brothers and sisters in the Lord. On the other hand, there is the ecclesia, which is a, a, a different dimension. Uh, this is a lesser known aspect of the church because it's the governmental, legislative um, side of the church. And it deals with the, the, the military arm of the church, with the army of God. And uh, it deals with leadership, warriors, conquerors, ambassadors. And it's about enforcing the laws of God in, in the kingdom. It's about binding and loosing. It's about decreeing things. Uh, it's the warring aspect of the church. And to be honest, you know, the, the, the greater body of Christ has struggled uh, to enter into this dimension. Mostly because so little of, of this is known in the, in the wider body of Christ. Um, that we, we don't understand this aspect of, of ecclesia, this dimension of warfare. You know, that most people kind of think, well, you know, the oikos, you know, all we've got to do is be kind to one another and, you know, um, love one another and be good, you know, uh, and gentle and kind. Yeah, that, that's good. And that's really what, as far as many people see the function of the church. I want to tell you, we did that in the charismatic movement in the 70s and 80s, didn't we? We just loved one another. But we forgot about the fact that we were called to rule and reign and to exercise authority. And uh, as, a, as a result of that, people were getting saved and coming into, into the church. But the world went to hell in a handbasket because the church didn't rule and reign in the world. They didn't establish their authority. And in the vacuum of the church not ruling and reigning, not decreeing, not taking the authority, the world stepped in. And began to operate in, in the strongholds that, that exist today. The governmental strongholds, educational, media, arts and entertainment. Uh, where they started to propagate worldly views and worldly decisions uh, and morals. While the church in the background was singing Kumbaya. <laughs> you know, it's important that we understand that the church has a, a, a legislative, legislative 
uh, ability and authority that we need to operate in. And so, yes, we do need uh, to be loving and to be kind. But we must not lose sight of the fact that this is a battle for the hearts and the souls of mankind. Yes. Amen. Yes. And so we've got to be about that. We've got to, we've got to be make, making sure that the will of God has been performed here on earth. So, you know, the truth is uh, we're, we are in a culture clash with the world. You know, it used to be that the church was the supreme power and the authority of the land. Even kings were fearful of the church. But in this vacuum where the church has stepped back and hasn't begun to rule and to reign, the world has swept into to the, the, the abyss and started to establish these strongholds. And so it becomes really um, quite incredible. We're in this, this cultural power struggle, um, and the church is seen uh, as irrelevant, uh, isolated, and powerless. But Jesus taught us that our battle wasn't with the culture or with the people. Jesus taught us that the battle was that there was a spiritual power, an entity behind what happens in this world. He said that everything basically has a spiritual root, and that we need to understand what that spiritual root is. And so, I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six and verse twelve. We're going to look at a very familiar portion of Scripture today. Ephesians chapter six and verse twelve. Praise God. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That verse is telling us something very powerful, that our, flesh, uh, that our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our battle is not with our husband or with our wife or with our children or with our boss. It's not, it's not the person that, that is causing the conflict. It's the spiritual power behind it that is using that person to stir up strife and trouble. Amen? Mm. And so we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with people. But when, when strife arrives, we wrestle with the principalities and powers of darkness that are behind uh, their actions. That everything has a spiritual root. That word, uh, the Greek word wrestle is very interesting. It's pole, and pole actually means uh, it, 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 uh, to cast out. But if you go into the root meaning of it, it means to violently thrust out, to beat, to strike down. This is a warfare term. And in fact, uh, there's so much when you get into it that we, when we covered spiritual warfare, uh, then we, we looked at it quite extensively. So I won't go into it at the moment. But, but this is a warfare term where, where we are to wrestle against these, uh, the flesh, and, not against flesh and blood, but against these powers and principalities. The truth is, this is a knockdown, drag out, no holds barred with the principalities and powers of darkness who are challenging our authority. It's interesting, in that same verse, it talks about the rulers uh, 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 of this world. So when you look at that, the rulers of darkness, it's actually a, a compound of two Greek words. And the, the first one is cosmos. Uh, it means world. It's where we get our understanding of cosmology, the study of the universe and, and, and what have you. And, and the second part is krata eo. And krata eo means a, a ruler. And so when you put these two words together um, to, for the, the, the rulers of darkness, you actually see that it, it is, means a, a, a ruler of the world. 
Uh, and it's really, a, it's really talking about Satan. Uh, and it's just a, a, a title for Satan or an epithet uh, uh, for his, his um, operations. And so we need to understand what this verse is actually telling us. That the church, the ecclesia, you and I, must violently beat down the satanic world ruler. That is the job of the ecclesia. God has called us as mighty men and women, as warriors, to go into battle against the prince of darkness and be victorious. Hallelujah. That's our authority. That's what Christ has done. And yes, we are going to be opposed. We will, you will engage a huge warfare in, in doing that. But we need to wage warfare against the devil and against the forces of darkness. I want to say here, and this is really important that you, you get this, that we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from a place of victory. We're fighting from in Christ's stead. Christ has already overcome the devil. Christ has already defeated him, and all we're doing is the mopping up operations. You know, after any war, and, and the ceasefires uh, declared many, many times, there are people killed after the, the declaration of peace. You know, the, the, the little skirmishes that go on after the war is over, and that's what we're fighting. Jesus has conquered the devil, praise God. He's defeated the powers of the principalities of the darkness. But he says to us, he says, you know, now you wrestle. We're doing the cleanup, the mop-up operations, those small little skirmishes um, that, that some devils refuse to acknowledge, you know. So we also need to understand that we're looking to maintain our victory. Okay, Christ has, has defeated the devil and he's given us victory. And the devil comes to what? To steal and to destroy. He wants to take away the victory that Christ has given. He will steal wherever he can. If it's in our understanding or in practice, however he, do, he, he wants to steal from us. The truth is, you know, if we understand this, it can revolutionize our Christian walk. I remember how my life changed when I began to understand what God had invested in me, the power and the authority, my life became totally different. I was no longer timid. I was no longer afraid of the devil. I suddenly realized that God invested incredible power into each and every one of us. The Bible says, the wicked flee when no one's pursuing him, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know, we're bold, we're strong. Why? Because we know what Christ has done in us and through us, and we need to rule and to reign. You know, we are, the church should no longer be tormented by the devil. But we should be tormenting the devil. Amen. Yes. The Bible says, submit yourself unto God and the devil will flee from you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's really important that we understand that, that we, we are not victims here. We are more than conquerors. That Christ has invested in us this amazing power and ability uh, to, to rule and reign in this world. I remember when, when we were uh, in England, um, the, we were living in England in a place, little place called Tiverton, and a, a, a very famous clairvoyant, uh, BBC, um, being on, on TV one was very well acknowledged, decided that he wanted to come to our little town, and he was going to hold a, a week of these supernatural meetings and, you know, clairvoyance and all, all the rest of it. And uh, we heard about it, and the town was a buzz. 
Everywhere you walked on the streets, people were talking about this clairvoyant coming and, and, and the exciting things and the stories that they'd heard that he'd actually... There was a buzz and electricity in there. They'd hired the biggest hall in the town. As a church, we said, no ways. We're not putting up with this. We're going to come against it. And we started to bind and we started to loose and we started to wage warfare against the principalities and powers of darkness. We, we, we tore down strongholds in the name of Jesus. We uprooted everything that the, the devil was trying. We said that the deception that the enemy was trying to foist upon the people of our town would not be, would not, we would not tolerate it, that the deception would be broken, that people's eyes would be opened, that they wouldn't want to support this particular um, event and so when the time came for for this week long um, uh, series of meetings, we had been engaged in in, in very heavy spiritual warfare uh, ever since they had announced this and as a result uh, they, they came and uh, after two days the the leaders of of the, um, the, the this Clairvoyant movement said, we're going to close down the meetings. We're not going to carry on any farm. And I believe it's because we took the power away from the devil. We changed the spiritual atmosphere. There was great excitement and people who were longing to, to hear what, what this powerful mystic was going to say. But when the church rose up in authority and began to pray against that spirit of deception and the lies and the deceit of the enemy and pull down the strongholds, he had to pack up and leave. Two days. He was gone in a place called Tiverton, just outside of Exeter. Uh, so, uh, but, but it really was a, a very powerful demonstration of how the church, exercising its authority, can influence the spiritual realm and the environment in which we live. Now, you can take that into your family situation and realize you can change the spiritual climate or you can take it, take it to your work situation. We have that power and authority. Amen? Amen? We can change the spiritual climate. And I believe that it's imperative that we do. Don't let the devil get away with what he, what he wants to do in our lives. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who is the church? It's not that. We are the church. Absolutely. God is saying, Jesus is saying, I'm going to build you, I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to fill you with power and might so that you will not be intimidated, so that you can rule and reign. And we're going to look at that in a little bit more detail as we go on this morning. But God has given us the power to pull down strongholds and to demolish principalities and powers of darkness. We can and must wage war against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world. And when the church stands up and takes its rightful place and exercises the authority that's been invested, we will change the spiritual climate. You know, we can break them. I believe that there's a stranglehold that the devil says, man, they're not going to get saved. We're not going to let them get excited about Jesus. We're going to put a stranglehold on that. The church needs to rise up in authority and say, devil, you're a defeated foe. No ways. We destroy that power. We, just, we change the spiritual environment. That's one of the, the callings of the ecclesia. That's one of the, the mandates that Christ has given to the church, that we take authority over, uh, over the spiritual darkness and bring about the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus said, Amen. pray that thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we to do. That's our mandate. And that's what we are called to do. So we, we can and must wage warfare against these principalities and powers. Okay. 
remember we're looking at the two aspects of the church, the, the oikos, the house of God, and it's relational. And uh, in, in, in that scenario, we see Jesus pictured uh, as our saviour and as our shepherd and as our brother. And Jesus carries the shepherd's crook. But as the ecclesia, Jesus is seen as king, lord, and judge. And he carries not the shepherd's crook. He carries the scepter, the, the, the sign of monarchy, of power and authority. And so that's the dual nature of the church. We are to be kind. We are to be loving. We are to be relational. But we are also to be called to be militant warriors ready to wage war against the forces of darkness. To tear down that, that spiritual ruler that seeks to establish his kingdom here on earth. So, let me say this. If the church does not exercise its authority and come against all that is ungodly and wicked, if we don't wage war against the forces of darkness, nobody else can. Because God has invested the authority to rule and reign in the church. And if we don't do it, it's never going to happen. We will live under the domination of the prince of darkness. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in him. Whatever you loose is going to be loosed. In other words, it's up to us to begin to exercise that authority. Now, Paul, when he's writing uh, the, the, his, his epistles, writes the, the letter to the Ephesians. And he has this incredible um, desire. And he, he, he says, you know, you need a revelation. Uh, and and you, you need to understand what God has done. And in fact, if you look at, at, at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 17 uh, onwards, um, it, it's very important. Paul is saying you need this revelation. And Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 17 uh, further on. It says this, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. God wants you to get this wisdom and revelation. You need to get it down deep in your, in, your, uh, in your soul and into your spirit. And he goes on to say, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you, so it's kind of that you understand. And that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you and I, the saints. Hallelujah. Verse 20. I want to read this from the Amplified because I got so excited when I read this. It says, verse 20 from the Amplified. And so that you can know and understand. So that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power Amen. in us and for us. Yes. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Man, Amplified. that is incredible. Sorry, where was that? Amplified, Amplified verse 20, Ephesians uh, 1.20. Ephesians 1. Yeah. 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 19 and 20. Hallelujah. The point. Sorry. Ephesians 1.19 and 20. Okay. So. Um, so that uh, you know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted when, uh, in, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. 
Paul is saying, you need a revelation of this resurrection power that you've been You literally have the power of life and death. You can raise the dead. The truth is, you don't get this because somebody tells it to you. You don't get it because you read a book. You don't get it because you've heard a message on it. Paul's saying, pray that you get a revelation from the Holy Spirit because the, the Holy Spirit is able to birth this in our heart. You will never be the same. That's why Paul is saying this. This is why Paul said, you need this revelation. And I, I, I cry out daily. I say, Lord, I want to understand more completely this power that I have inside of me. I want to understand this unlimited, immeasurable power. And help me to, to start to exercise it. Folks, when the church gets a revelation of this, I'm telling you, the, the, the world will change. The world will change because of the power of the church. It'll get its rightful place back where kings will tremble before the church again. Hallelujah. When Christ raised people, he always had to name them pastor. Yeah, otherwise they'll all come up. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Pastor, I know you, you, you were talking before about um, being, the, the tongues. But for us to have that res- resurrection power, and you've taught this, we all have to be filled with the Holy Spirit absolutely. with the evidence of speaking yeah, in tongues absolutely. to have that anointing. Absolutely. So that is, it's a, okay, it's not a salvation thing, but it's very... It's important. it's important. I mean, these side issues are important. You know, that I, I wasn't trying well, to diminish them. No. But the point that I was trying to make is that, you know, we can differ on these side it's issues. Tongue, tongues, isn't just for some, it's for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely That's for us. But Paul's saying in here, he says that we need a revelation. And I challenge you this week, every day. This is your homework assignment. Every day, go home and say, God, give me a revelation of the power and the authority that you've placed in me. If you will do that every day and really seek God and make that an issue of your prayer, I'm telling you, pray for that revelation. We're going to have a different church tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. We're going to have a powerful church. Can you say amen? So, hallelujah. So we need a revelation of the mighty power within us. As I say, you don't get this because somebody tells you about it or because you read a book about it. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal you. You know, Paul is saying that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, enlighten us with a revelation that we understand this unlimited power. Why? Because we are co-laborers with Christ. The same power, the same anointing, the same blessing on Jesus rests upon the ecclesia, the church, those who are called to rule and reign. Will we be challenged? Yes. Will we win every battle? No. Are we called to fight every battle? Yes. Amen. It's amazing to know what store he's put by us. So Absolutely. You know what? It, 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 we were talking about this. It was blowing my mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the sword of the Spirit. Amen. That's what yeah, we use. Amen. First right. Corinthians 3 9 says this, and I'm reading it again from the Amplified. It says, We are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. That is a high calling, folks. That is a very, very powerful statement that the Bible makes. That we are co-laborers together with Christ. Uh, that, that was 1 Corinthians 3.9. Okay. Uh, could, could I ask, guys, we, we do record the meetings. And so 
Um, could, I, could I gently and, and respectfully ask that, uh, you know, if you have a, a question or a comment that, uh, no, it's fine, uh, that, that we save it to the end or, um, you know, because sometimes people ask questions and you kind of lose the flow of where you're going. So if I, you know, I, I would really appreciate if we could do that. Um, and uh, if you need a, a reference, it is recorded or you can come speak to me. I take comprehensive notes. I can give it to you after the service. <clears throat> But, you know, we need this revelation. Um, and so I want to, as we're talking about revelation, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. And I want you to look at chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. And because there's a, a very important statement that's made in verse 5. Uh, but verse 4 gives us the context. Revelation uh, uh, chapter 1. John to the seven churches which are in Asia... Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten from the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Who are these kings of the earth that the Bible is talking about? It's talking about you and I. Romans actually makes this very uh, explicit and very clear. We are the kings of the earth. And uh, we're going to look, look very briefly at, at an overview of, uh, Revelation, uh, of Romans chapter 5 uh, because there are two fundamental issues mentioned in this chapter uh, and, and they are what we lost in Adam and what we gained in Christ. And so we're going to look at that. Um, uh, Paul tells us who these kings are. Okay, let's look at Romans 5.17 and see what it says there. Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense, we're talking about Adam here, death reigned by one. He brought death into the world. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's us. We've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? So this is clearly talking about us who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of his righteousness. It says, it goes on to say, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The Amplified says, shall reign as kings in this life. God wants us to understand the authority that we have. We are, we are kings reigning in this life. You know, when, when, when a king wants a ditch dug... He doesn't go and grab himself a, a pick and shovel. He turns around to, to his, uh, his kingdom and says, I want a ditch and I want it from there to there and I want it dug now. And they go and do it. Because he's exercising his kingly authority. And that's the picture that God wants to bestow upon the church. You have so much power. You have so much authority. And we need to absolutely use it and recognize the importance of it. You see... This is what Romans 5 is all about. This is the power. It's divided into two parts. What we lost in Adam and what we gained in Christ. What did we lose in Adam? We lost dominion and subjection. You can, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, you'll see that it talks about that we've been endued with power and dominion and authority. And so I want to look at this Hebrew word dominion because it's the Hebrew word radar. And radar actually means to prevail, to subjugate, to rule, and to reign. I love it. Hallelujah. So, 
What's that telling us? That Adam had the power over this world. He had dominion. It was his right to govern and exercise authority. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. Man, I love that. As soon as I saw I never go fishing without declaring that I have dominion over the fish of the sea. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> He said, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That Hebrew word uh, subdue is kabash. And kabash is really a, a very powerful understanding. Again, the root word of kabash means to conquer, to subjugate, to force, to bring under control. This is what Adam had. He had the power to subjugate. He had the power to force. He had the power of control in the world. That's what it really means. Adam was given that power and that authority. What he, what he permitted was allowed. What he prevented uh, or forbade was stopped. It didn't happen. The world was simply under his control. He had dominion. You know, I, I think God kind of said to him, uh, away from the scriptures, God kind of said to him, he said, Adam, if you've got a problem in this world, don't call me. You fix it. I've given you the authority. Okay. <laughs> That's essentially what, what the, the Hebrew is saying. You have dominion. You have the control. Okay. Then, then comes the fall. And, you know, it, it, it's really frustrating. You, know, you ladies have copped a lot of flack. You know, there's, oh, you know, that didn't mean for Eve, you know, we, we would have, uh, you know, we wouldn't have been in this mess. And uh, they, they kind of think, well, you know, it was Eve just being tempted by, by the serpent. Adam was somewhere over in the garden. Of Eden. He was naming bugs, yeah. You know, he, he was there doing that. But in actual fact, when, when the enemy came and, and was tempting Adam and Eve, you know, the Bible says they were together. They were there together. Read it in, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Adam was right there in the Garden of Eden while the snake is tempting them. While, while he's listening to the lies being propagated by the enemy, he had the right, he had the authority to rule over that snake and he did nothing. And the chaos has resulted ever since. We've seen such absolute anarchy as a result of this. Oh. He could have and should have sent the devil packing. Amen. He had the authority. He had dominion. He had power. But he didn't use it. That's very significant. We're going to come back to that in, in, in a moment. You see, when Adam violated the laws of God, he disobeyed and committed high treason. Because God was, was, was his God. And he should have listened and he should have obeyed the Lord Most High. Can you say Amen. amen. But when, when Adam comes along and, and listens to the lies of the enemy, it, it's a parallel to what's happening in, in the church today. There, there been lies being preached from the pulpit. And, and, and you know, we need to rise up and take authority over it. But uh, you know, here, here's Adam. He had the authority and he, and he does absolutely nothing about it. So what happened? He, he then submits 
to the lies of the enemy and he embraces what, what the devil says. He says, okay, the, the, the fruit looks good, I'll eat it. And he eats. You know, the minute he did that, he became Satan's servant. No longer a servant of the Lord Most High, he becomes Satan's servant. You say, how does that, how does that work? Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey? His servants you are to whom you obey. As Adam submits and obeys the devil, he becomes Satan's servant. And instantly he loses the authority, the dominion, the subjection that he had. Because now he's the, the servant of Satan and Satan's smart enough. Uh, to, in other words, Adam just yielded everything over to, to the devil when he decided to commit high treason and listen to the lies of the enemy. And Satan became the master of this world. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the god of this world. Well, how did that happen? It happened when, when, when uh, Adam committed high treason and uh, Satan assumed the authority that, that rightfully belonged to man. So we lost that authority. That's what we lost in Adam. We lost sub dominion, we subjection. We lost authority and power. But it's an incredible thing because at that point, the devil was reigning over the world and we had chaos. Jesus came. Do you know why Jesus came? It says in, in 1 John 3, 8, and the second part of the verse, it's very explained. It says, for this purpose, this is why he came. This is the purpose for his coming. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Jesus came to destroy the, the reign of Satan. Satan had usurped this authority and was now operating, using it against mankind. And Jesus said, that's enough. I'm coming and I'm going to end your evil kingdom. Your empire is going to be crushed. And Jesus destroyed it. So, the second part of Romans chapter 5 is what we gained in Christ. And simply put, we gained back our authority. We gained back our power, our right to command. Again, verse 17b of, of Romans 5. 17b, Romans 5. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign as kings through one Jesus Christ. Christ came to bring back dominion and authority. He came to give us the ability to subdue the devil once again in our lives. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus came. For the express purpose to destroy the works of darkness and to give back mankind the ability to rule and reign as kings in, in this life. The great question is, when things go wrong in your life, and I can guarantee you they will, and I'm not being anti-faith here, I just know that <coughs> things go wrong. They will. They will. What will you do when, when, uh, when things go wrong? When all hell breaks loose against you, what are you going to do? Will you exercise your authority and take dominion over that situation? Will you start to rule and reign? Or will you be like Adam and say nothing? I'm telling you, there are vast multitudes of the church that don't recognize when the, the enemy attacks them and they cry out to God. They say, oh God, won't you help? Won't you do something? Please, I'm in trouble. Great parts of the church 
do not understand the ecclesia, the military aspect of the church of God. And as a result, we have a very limited understanding of what's going on here. You see, they cry out to God, 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 help us, God, do something. I remember many years ago, when my son was quite young, I, I asked him to go and wash the car. And uh, so he, he was quite happy. He toddled off. Five minutes later, he came back and he discovered in five minutes it was hard work. You know? And so he said to me, Dad, won't, won't you wash the car? And I said, no, Rich, you know, you're growing up now. And uh, this, this is your job. You can do this. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you're big enough. You, you need to uh, recognize that you have the ability to do this. Okay? And so he says to me, Dad, I, I, I really, really would like you to do it. I said, no, son. I, want, I need help. I need you to do it. I need you to, to go out and do what I've asked you to do. And I think that that... that kind of parallels what happens in many places in the church. We, we get ourselves into trouble. The enemy, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the cosmos, uh, he comes against us. This world ruler comes against us and creates havoc in our life. And we say, oh God, help us. Oh God, won't you do something? Won't you save me? And God says, I want you to grow up now. I want you to realize that I've invested in you the power and the authority and the ability to send the devil packing. Hallelujah. I really believe this, that God will not do something he's told us to do. God's smart enough not to become our skivvies, you know. So when we come and say, oh God, please, won't you help? Won't you do something? God says, no, you do it. I've invested that power and authority into you. And the minute we begin to realize we have this great revelation of what Paul was talking about, of this resurrection power and ability in our lives, this dynamic anointing, man, we are not going to have trouble with the devil anymore. He will come and attack from time to time, but you're going to send him packing in Jesus' name. So when the devil comes, don't offer excuses. Send him packing. Exercise your authority. The question I want to close with is this. Are we going to rule and reign like Christ? Or are we going to be like Adam and say nothing and do nothing and become subjugated ourselves? Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you came and you destroyed the works of the devil. You put an end to the principality and powers of darkness. Father, we're just running uh, the, 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 the minor skirmishes, the mop-up operations here. But Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would recognize what you've invested in the church, that you've called us to that place of authority, to exercise uh, control, to take dominion, to rule over and to reign over the, the, the affairs in this life. And Lord, yes, there will be battles. And sometimes we will lose them because we don't persevere, because we don't believe enough for, for whatever reason. But we are going to maintain our state of vigilance. We're going to make sure that we are still in the fight against the forces of darkness. And so, Lord, I, I just pray for my brothers and sisters who, uh, uh, Lord, like me, will have been encountering opposition from the enemy. And, Lord, we want to come as a church and pray for, for, for each other. 
And so my, my prayer this morning is if you have uh, been having a, a struggle, um, if you've been, uh, been under attack, I would like you to stand up and together we're going to pray for one another. Together we're going to wage war on behalf of each other because we have that power and authority. If you'd stand right now, if you've been having uh, trouble with the enemy, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just because we have authority and the ability to rule and reign doesn't mean to say that we don't go through attack. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord. You thank you for this resurrection power, this miracle working ability, Lord, that you point on us. That we have power over the enemy, Lord, over, over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. Lord, today we want to be the ecclesia, those acting with authority. Those selected to rule and to reign, to exercise power and authority over dominions, over principalities, and over powers. And today, Lord, we want to we want to come against the forces of darkness. We want to come against every plan, every scheme that the enemy has. We want to tear down these these, these strongholds that the enemy is trying to establish in our life. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over the fellowship and over our families and over our loved ones, and we declare that. No weapon fashioned against us shall prosper. We're going to rise up, Lord, in the power of your might. The church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Lord, we come now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say, Satan, you are a defeated foe. You are defeated. And we declare that we are conquerors over you. That we rule and reign. And your gates shall not prevail against us, the church. And so, Father, we thank you for liberty. We speak life. Into every circumstance. We speak blessing into this week. Lord, we know that the enemy is setting traps for this week, but we, we declare that they shall be null and void in Jesus' name. We speak the blessing of God over the fellowship and over every believer. We declare healing and health. Uh, Lord, we declare the blessing of the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. That, Thank Lord, you, this Jesus. week will be a wonderful week, blessed you, and anointed Jesus. as we exercise our authority. Lord, the devil's going to run with the tail between his legs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you've, you've seen fit to entrust us with this amazing, unlimited power. Lord, it, it, it's truly incredible. Help us to remember our homework, to pray daily for a, a revelation mm. of what you have done and invested in yes, each believer. So we you. pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And everyone shouted, Amen! Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus. <laughs>